0: Now we're going to need to use your imagination today since that darn uh, projector of ours is not working right. And if this projector was working right up on the screen here, you would see something called commitment or call. And we're talking about healing right now. And so I actually want to go through a couple of scriptures that I'm going to have uh, Lois read, starting with Luke 9, 1 through 2, and then Luke 10, 8 through 9. And, and it's talking about our calling because I want to refocus Uh, what God called us to do, that you would understand who you are and what you're called to do. And so as we begin to, as we continue to speak about healing, that you will go in boldly, that you won't be afraid uh, of doing this. And you would understand it is God's heart and desire for you. Hmm? Uh, uh, Nine, one through two.
1: When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure disease, diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick.
0: Amen. then Luke 10, 8 through 9.
1: When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you.
0: Then Matthew 107 through 8. It would been a lot nicer if it was up there. You just take a quick look. It wouldn't take as long, but sorry.
1: As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep.
0: Okay, that's good. Okay, what's the common thing that you see in those three scriptures? Which are all called "You are a disciple," right? We all disciples in here. Yeah. And we're called to be disciples. That's right. Okay. So, what was the thing? What was the common theme that you saw in there? Sorry, I can't show it up here, but what was the common thing? What'd you hear? Go. Go? What else? Heal. Heal. What else? Huh? What else? as you've been given, give freely. What else? Okay. (laughs) What else? You're missing the main one. Kingdom. Kingdom was in every single one of them. So, it's about the kingdom. Ministry is about the kingdom. When we see Jesus ministering it was about the kingdom. It was a demonstration of the kingdom power of God. It was a demonstration that God's power is greater than the devil's power. Is what it is. That the things that you see, the diseases you may have, the problems you may have, God is greater than all. It's a demonstration of that. Now, read also Mark sixteen, fifteen through 18. This is the Great Commission. We've all heard it. We all say it. We don't really think about it. I uh, have Mark sixteen fifteen through
1: 18. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will, will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well.
0: Kingdom stuff again. The particular call for us is to do all these things. It's something that the church doesn't always do. But it is not, It is the point of the stuff is not just to heal the sick. The point is not always, it's not about us, in other words, which is, I've been talking about for months now. It's about the kingdom. It's always about the kingdom. You know, There's something that's kind of snuck in this world right now, and and it bothered me for a long, long time. This thing called social justice and the idea that we weren't always taking care of every single poor person. We weren't always doing this, that we weren't always focused on the poor, and somehow we were inadequate because we weren't focused on the poor enough. And I hear that over and over again. I see churches actually have stuff on social justice in it. And, And I'm sitting there praying about that and thinking about it, and it troubles me. Because it puts off the idea that, the, that that God's idea is everything to be equal and level. And God's idea to, would be to, to be everything and every person healed. And God's idea is always feeding the poor and be focused on that. Now, that sounds like it would be a good idea for God. But it's not actually what I see. When I see in, in, the, in the Gospels when Jesus walked the earth, I didn't see him hanging out in leper colonies. Did you? Who wasn't? I mean, if, you, if his heart was just to heal the sick, if it was not. The, it, was, it was. If it was about the person and just the person, now, does God want justice? Yes. Does He want things? There will be justice for all at one time. Why He doesn't pull it now, I don't know. But if that was His aim and His goal in the goal of His ministry, He would have gone to the leper colonies and cleaned it out. He would have went to the pool. Remember when he went to the pool and the one got up, and uh, uh, He would have healed everybody at the pool. But all we know is of healing one of it. When the only time you see him healing every single person is when he, when he was preaching the gospel and the, the, the sick came forward and it says he healed every one of them there. But that was not his focus. His focus is not social justice. His focus is the kingdom of God because he has a longer view inside than the short. Now, we think if we're sick or something's wrong, that that's, that's what it's all about. And when I pray for the sick, one of the hardest things I have to deal with is to get them past their sickness. Now they want to get healed, and I would too. I mean, hands down. But it can't be about their sickness. It has to be about the kingdom. It has to be about the king. Because that's how, you know, if you understand that and it's about the kingdom, then you understand that God loves you and he'll take care of you. If you're caught up in him, he'll take care of you. It's just like when I said to the Lord when uh, he was talking to me about with my kids a long time ago. He says, you know, you take care of my kids, I'll take care of yours. That's what he said. Yours? I take care of this. He takes care of mine, and 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 that's who he is. It's, it's he's a God that has to have us given our whole heart towards him, and to take care of the rest. Did you? Well,
2: yeah. I was just thinking. You know, uh, remember that's what the, why, one of the reasons why the Jews missed him because they were looking for social justice. They were looking for a new order. Right? Yeah, yeah. And
0: they, they were looking for it.
3: Was, Jesus said, the poor you will always have with.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of scriptures like that. And does that it kind of make you feel like is was God hard-hearted? No, he's not. And I used to feel really build, beat up about this. I used to be bothered. You know, wow, why is that? Why is, why, you know, why isn't it about this? So, and, and, and see, the world, social justice thing, you know, is, the, is one of the cornerstones of the peace movement. It's also one of the cornerstones of, of, of the uh, uh, one world government. It's also the cornerstone uh, of a lot of things of the Dalai Lama. Uh, It's a cornerstone of a lot of things, and it's an idea that somehow is out of balance. And I can't, I wish I could tell you really how and why and fully how out of balance it is, but I can't. But I know when I look at Jesus' life, that doesn't line up with what the Dalai Lama or the world says we should be. It doesn't. It's not about going out and finding every sick person in the world and healing them. If it is, you would have seen men, in God, men of God in the past just go into hospitals all day and do it. Why wouldn't they? Because it's about the kingdom. It's really about the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And his kingdom, because there is a day that the all that are saved are going to be totally healed from all things. And they live eternally with him. His view is for the long view. Right? Smart woman.
3: I wanna I wanna <laughs> just think about love and I wanna love you and I want you to love me and I wanna be dealing with spiritual warfare. And the Lord told me because 'cause I'm very visual, and he said to me that um when you go up to someone and, and you get them delivered from demons, it's like doing surgery in their spirit. It's that's spiritual like, warfare. Yeah,
0: Yeah, kingdom-minded is about the rule and reign of God in our life, that he's first. One of the first things that God really made a large point with me is that it's centrality of Christ is the, the main issue. Centrality of Christ. It's all about him. It's all about him in every single part of life, you know. And that we're to learn to lay down our lives for one another and care for one another. You know, so I'm, I'm given this distinction and, and, and probably making a few people mad with it because I see churches that will talk about it and, and have different programs for social justice on the idea of trying to especially pull in the youth. They want to do that. But the trouble is they validate something that shouldn't really be validated. You know, yes, we want to be about feeding the poor. Yes, we want to be about healing the sick. Yes, we want, we want, to, we want to be about people getting fair deals and like that. We do, But it's really about the kingdom. And you can't, just that scripture that I used to you last week, and I use quite often, you can't serve two masters. You can't be about God in his kingdom and yourself in this world. He says you'll either love one and hate the other. You can't be have that double vision. You can't have both of them. You have to be about him and understand. See, being about him is, is saying, I trust you enough with my life. Now, our subject today, you know, is, is healing. Uh, uh, spiritual healing is the demonic uh, go ahead
4: here's a couple of thoughts that they reconcile mm-hmm. first if you're in the kingdom you will not do unjust things if people stop doing unjust things that would take care of all sorts of problems right there that's, mm-hmm. it would be a necessary effect a necessary effect if people were in the kingdom then they would deal in
0: And and, and that that particular part is what I've been talking about. There's there's the the realm of God and the realm of the enemy, and the enemy is always trying to pull you out of his kingdom to bring you uh, out of God's kingdom so he can take care of you. It's just like in warfare. In regular warfare, you get somebody out of where they are safe in their fort and their fortress. You pull them out of the fortress into a field that you have control over and destroy them. That's what the enemy tries to do with that. Now, I actually think that pick up snakes and stuff like that, Now, there are people that actually do that. They think that that's a sign of being a Christian. I really, I I don't know quite what to do with that. I'm not picking up any snakes and finding out (laughs) if I can have the faith with it. But I think it's actually talking about spiritual warfare, because who is the serpent? Who is the thing? and, And if you end up in spiritual warfare, you're going to get bit, and it's not going to destroy you. In being in the kingdom, that's what I think it's speaking about and uh, I was talking with uh, Tom and he reminded me of something that I think is really, really important to make the distinction and that is that spiritual warfare is found in all the stuff that we do you know. and we're first to learn how first to master the things in our own life you know, uh, be able to take care of our own home and have dominion and rule in our own home and our, uh, and our little, maybe our neighborhood around and our church and then we begin to look at wider and wider realms that we are to have dominion and rule in. Healing the sick is a major spiritual warfare thing. It's a battle. Because where did sickness come from? It came originally from the enemy. That's who has it. There's no sickness before the fall. And again, as I said last week, I'm not saying that if you're sick, that's because of your sin. I am not saying that at all because I don't believe that. But that's the avenue it came through is because of the fall of man. The sickness came through. So it came in there, so it's part of spiritual warfare. Uh, when, you, when you preach the gospel, you share the gospel. It's the kingdom of God against the kingdom of the world. You're trying to pull them out of the kingdom of darkness and then bring them into the kingdom of light. I mean, think of what you do, anything in the ministry thing, counseling. The enemy has usually, through Christians, put all kinds of arrows in people and, and really hurt them. And the job in counseling is to pull out those arrows and bring healing into their lives. All of that is spiritual warfare. So when I talk about spiritual warfare, and I say you have to know about spiritual warfare, I'm talking about all of it. Some of you will be called to do major spiritual warfare with handling with the enemies coming at you in in a larger realm. That's good. Healing the sick will be a training for that. The struggling with when someone's sick and fighting for their health is training for warfare. The struggles that you have in life when you... When you've hoped for something, you don't see it come in being, and then you believe God because you heard him say it, and you hold on through it. And you may have heard wrong, and you may not get what you have, but that process of holding stuff, going through it, and not giving up trains you. You know, it says the Lord trains us for battle. You know, he strengthens my arm for the bow. You know, he makes us have, The scriptures say that. Well, what do you think that is? You think God's sitting there and teaching you the bow? No. Strengthening is something you have to pull back and do over and over and over again. You get strong at what you do. Healing the sick is one of those things. You learn how to fight for it. Now, I had uh, yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, I got some type of cold in my neck, and I thought this could never move it past this. Prayed for it yesterday, and it got better. I got a lot better. Matter of fact, about totally free. And then I went out in the cold and it started bothering me again. I had to fight for that. I had to fight for that that the pain to stay out of there. I had a choice of giving up and going with it, going and taking an aspirin or something stronger or fight. The thing is the fighting trains me and strengthens me for other things. Those are promotions. We have to go through those different things to get promotions. We have to go through different trials to become stronger. So we're able to do the things God called us to do. If there's something that comes again, God will equip you with what you need to fulfill that. and, and that is, if you walk through it and be strengthened by it. Now, healing comes basically in two different things. You know, most people, we're talking here about healing as a kingdom principle, the idea of proclamation of God, his greatness of God, his superior kingdom, uh, that light puts out darkness, that, uh, that he's far more powerful uh, than the enemy. Most people approach uh, uh, healing by these scriptures. And I, I differ from it, and, but both are right. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from it. Okay, Isaiah 53, 5. I'll just read it. It's easier for me to find it. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. And then 1 Peter 2:24, Who himself bore our sins in his own body, on the tree that we have died to sins might be, uh, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Both of those talk about the suffering on the cross and how God brought healing into it, and that is the very truth too. That is the truth. That's not how I, I approach it. I approach it is is what I see in the scriptures, and I I had a chart up here uh, that would have shown most of the scriptures in the New Testament on healing. And uh, and I divide them up in several categories. They're all based on faith. Most of them, uh, um, a large amount of them, talked about the kingdom in it, proclaiming the kingdom and and healing. But all of them had a kingdom principle to it. All of them were in the process of going about doing kingdom work. All of them were a demonstration of God and his power. All of them, uh, he would would maybe preach and people would come and heal them over and over again. And so that was the process that we saw, because it is about the kingdom, and as that's the way I want to approach it too. Now I'm talking to somebody that's got cancer or had a serious accident, whatever. God's love for you, yeah, His love for you. That's why He died for you on the cross. That's why and and the price was paid. You know, the sins was removed. All those things are very, very true, but it's about His kingdom. God's a merciful God. You don't have to grab onto things he wants to give it to us so it's by stripes um, is one issue but it, it's the kingdom the enemy's plan as we talked about was pull out of the kingdom his plan is to continually to keep you in a particular place in, as uh, rick talked about in a particular kingdom where he can have you when god wants to pull us to a particular kingdom that he has us and he, his kingdom operates again if we're caught In the kingdom of this world, if we're caught in lying and stealing, doing different things like that, the guilt and all the stuff that the enemy is able to prom against you makes you feel inadequate for God's healing. Now, we know the truth in Romans that that everything's permissible, not everything's beneficial. In other words, God forgives us from all our sins. He removes all the sins from us because that's who he is. He's made a way that that No matter what we've done, what we do, our sins are taken care of. We don't have to worry about them because the cross paid the price for those sins. We're free. So if you do mess up, or somebody says bad things about you, what they're trying to do, not knowing, is pull you into the enemy's kingdom. In the enemy's kingdom, where he can shoot more things at you. And who's usually doing the shooting? Somebody in the church, you know, some friend, you know, intentionally or unintentionally. Usually unintentionally. And the enemy wants to keep you trapped. Hurting people hurt people, plain and simple. And so the enemy uses, since his power was broken, he uses the power of Christians against Christians is what he does. Spoken words against them. And that's why God says not to judge one another. Because you don't really know what God's doing. I don't know what God's doing, Jay. He may have a totally different thing to mind. If I see him doing something, and I may not totally agree with him, if I make a judgment, what am I doing? I'm, doing, I'm pulling him into the wrong kingdom. When I need to let him go, now, when there's an outward sin, you have to deal differently with it. Go ahead. No, that's
3: why I think King David
2: wrote Pastor, I mean, softly. Me, mm-hmm. You know where he says that about even you who I've walked
3: in the sanctuary with, and if, gee, I, if I could just have wings of a dove, I'd fly because it was not my enemy, it was a companion. Yeah. So, I mean, I he it, he know it's why he heard because he knew what it felt like to get to
0: me. If somebody attacked, you don't know, someone in, the, in yeah. the body of Christ. If you are attacked by somebody you don't, don't even know or care about, <laughs> So what? That's
3: when
0: he said my enemy would be. <laughs> yeah, but it was, with somebody when you know real close, so that happens. The enemy uses all us. I mean, little Peter, you know, who do you say I am? The son of God, you know, and the next second he says, "Get away from me!" Why? Because he operated out of soul that time. He operated out of what he who he felt and his emotions rather than what the Spirit of God was saying. So we're going to get constantly used by the enemy. We're using it against one another, and that's why we got that thing called forgiveness. Because we got to learn to forgive one another. Because we're going to mess up.
5: Check. I was going to say, the Lord years ago gave me a real vivid uh, dream, and uh, it's interesting. It was a football dream.
0: (laughs) Appropriate for today. I was in a
5: big stadium, and um, and I was I was dressed. I was fully dressed in a football uniform. And there was people that I knew, and some of them were people from church that were partially dressed. They'd have, like, pants on, or they might have a helmet on or shirt, but they weren't, like, dressed. And uh, I went out to the line of scrimmage, and there was only two other people out there, and besides myself, there was three of us that were, like, fully dressed and ready to play this this game and on the other side of the line was a full 11 man team and they were all demons. You can see inside their in their helmets. You know they were they were all it was a demonic team. And the two guys that were there besides me they were both like defensive linemen and I was a linebacker. And uh, I never thought about being a linebacker, but in a dream that's where, that was my position. And and then I started, and they they were, uh, you know, they had the ball. I was, you know, we were obviously on defense, and I was, like, starting to panic because I'm thinking, you know, I mean, three people. I mean, what are you going to do against a full team, you know? And I'm like this, and and the Lord just spoke to me real clear. and just said, just play your position. Play your position. Don't worry about all of the holes. Just play your position. And, uh... They were all dressed up? The other team, they were all in uniform? Well, they were demons, but they were all in full uniform. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well,
3: and, you know, there was
5: other people, and I was, you know, it was like the other people, a lot of the Christians, they were completely oblivious to the football game that was going on here. <coughs> and uh, they were only partially, like I said, they might have a piece of uniform on, but they weren't even, like, you know, uh, ready to play. And... Uh, That's kind of, you know, when you talk about, you know, there may be somebody that is truly called to feeding the poor. I mean, that's like, God is...
0: I'm not belittling that, believe me. I think we need to do that.
5: For that, but for for someone that's called to do that, that is so passionate about that they think everybody has to be at the same intensity as them is wrong because obviously God has different positions for us. And you know, it's it's not you know, so as far as the kingdom, I mean if we're gonna operate in the kingdom right, we need to know what our place is right. and not worry about other people's pressure to say, Oh, you need to do more of this, you need to do that, we need to exactly. we need to what's the Lord telling us to do right. we need to fall into that place. Right. And then that that'll do more good than, you know, trying to have everybody be, you know,
0: I mean that's that's that is probably one of the best modern day pictures I can think of what the war we're in because most people don't even know there's a football game going on. <laughs> they don't know there's a war. I mean that's really what you're saying. They don't they don't know they don't know there's a war going on between the enemy and us. They don't know it. They don't get it. All
5: demons,
0: huh? Demons,
5: you know, in those uniforms,
0: I and mean, you, you know, they have fiery eyes, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, you know, and there's another thing. You know, it, 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 you, that, you know they have, everybody goes to that uh, the helmet of salvation and breastplate of all you know and the shield of faith. But have you ever really thought about the, the the major one, the salvation one, the helmet? I mean, you just take the football one. which In a sense, is like it's like the it's like the, uh, the one that was uh, the Roman one. It, it covers not only your head, but it covers your hearing, it covers your eyes, and it covers your mouth. And it goes both ways. It, it's a guard of what you should say, too, as well as people speaking at you. It's all those things are guarded. And the idea of salvation is to protect all those things. You know, uh, it's not just the faith. It's, it's, it, that salvation has to do its work. And to understand that you are saved understands how you to treat others. to understand not to be the judging person, you know, and not listen to gossip, you know, uh, not set your eyes on the wrong thing. That you're protected the way you should be protected. But I love that dream. Um, all of the all stuff, uh, and that actually uh, uh, illustrates the next thing I was going to talk about, and that is knowing who you are. See, to be able to not be pulled off by doing many different people called different things. I used to be really bugged with people that did all these, you know, that's all they did was study the, the, the verbs and stuff and how to break the, but we need them. That's their, that's their call. If, if they didn't do what they did, I would have a hard time doing what I do, you know? And so, but we always have and always see people the way we are. They, everybody's got to be just like us. No, they don't. I, so I really tried to make it, and I, as you know, I really press you guys to become who you're called to be. And I, I, no slackers, you know? I don't want you to become who you're called to be, but I don't want you to become like me. I want you to become who you are called to be. And that's why I, some of the things that are real close to my heart, I don't necessarily' going to be close to your heart. There's room here to do all the things, to play all the positions. But you have to know who you are. The enemy wants to destroy that, because that's where the first game goes. This is a game of the mind. That's why the helmet's on there. It's to the deal with the mind. It's the mess with your mind. If he can get you, remember it says, as you think it is? Remember scriptures that say that? And if you believe something a certain way, that's the way it is? You know, remember the one that believed that God was a hard God and didn't do this and didn't do that, and that's how God treated him? Remember that parable? Yeah. Okay, the, if that battle for the mind, if the enemy is to get you to think that you are not adequate, that you're not his son, and you have no authority, guess what? All intents and purposes, you aren't his son. You have no authority, and he's going to destroy you. So the battle is for your mind. That's why the helmet of salvation is to know who you are so you can, so you can stand against the lies and deceit of the enemy because he wants to take you and carry you completely out of the God's kingdom over to his kingdom where he can destroy you and where he can get you to destroy other people, hurting people, hurt other people. And you'll see it. The most people with the biggest hurts in their lives, man, you may be real nice to them. They may be really friendly. And the next second, they're cutting your throat or sticking a knife in your back. And you may love them and spend a lot of time with them. And you have to learn how to forgive them and overlook that. As pastors, we see that all the time. You know, you have to learn to overlook them because they're operating in the wrong kingdom. Now, if I don't forgive them and I hate them and all that stuff, guess what kingdom I'm operating in? The wrong kingdom, you know. And, and the enemy pulls the stuff away from me. So the battle of healing is to pull people into the particular kingdom where God's rule and reign is, out of the kingdom where there's the enemy's rule and reign. So that's the point I wanted to bring out on this. Now I want to give some examples of faith, which is going to be a real drag to do, since I don't have up there what I wanted to have up there. Hmm? Okay, let's see how good your imaginations are. Okay. In faith, when we go to healing, there's always faith somewhere. It may be in the person praying for someone, maybe in the person receiving the prayer, or maybe the family or friends. But everywhere when you look in the scriptures, you do that. And what I had done, and if you want to see this, actually, we do have a website. If you guys get to it, I haven't been looking at it very often. There is where all the messages are on there. You can actually download on your iPod for podcasts. You just go there and click a button. It will set it up, and next time you plug your iPod in, it will download everything into it. But also you can go on the website, and there's a little player there. And in it, it will also have a lot of the notes. This note will be in there. And you'll be able to see the scriptures if you have to want them on healing. They're not all of them on healing. I didn't have, you know, it takes a lot of cross-referencing to get them all. But I got a whole bunch of them on there. But always what I found is, is even uh, 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 there's faith somewhere. Uh, uh, and it's always in God and it has to be the person receiving. if I'm going to pray for you, you've got to believe that God uses me to heal. Else you aren't going to get healed. If you don't believe that God used me for healing. And if you don't feel you're worthy, your son, it's going to be a break, break off of that. So I'm going to take the first thing, and I'm going to talk about compassion. Go to Matthew fourteen fourteen.
1: When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick.
0: Okay, now I'm going to have you read about the first few verses of John 11, starting with verse 2. First of all, you hear the one with compassion. Now, that's the only one I really see him just flat moved on compassion in there that I can think of to heal people. Okay, does God have compassion? Yeah, he got and died on the cross for you. He has compassion, plenty of it. But that's not what moved him. It did this time. The next scripture we're given is an example that somebody very close to him and and what happened with that. Go ahead.
1: This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Lazarus. Yet when they heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days.
0: Okay, stop there. That, that's the point. Here he is. Now he knew that, that it was, it, this was, and there's two examples that I want to use here. One, it was for the purposes of God this particular time, which is one of the few times that says it in the scriptures. But the other thing is he knew he was sick. A very, very close friend, Mary knows very, very well. And he stayed there two more days before he went healed. Where's the compassion? It was trust in God, but the compassion didn't move his schedule, is my point. Okay? The compassion didn't move. So you have compassion, but he's not fooled in operating on his emotion or his compassion. He chose to operate on what God was doing. He actually ended up going to a city that they didn't want him to go to because they tried to stone him last time he was there. Why he wasn't afraid of that? Because he understood God's timing and direction. So when we're dealing with healing, though we want to be, it's it's nice to be moved by compassion, but you have to be moved by what God is saying and doing, because it's not always the same timing. And healing and ministry is based upon timing of God, not on yours. Okay, so that was one on compassion. I don't know any other one. You guys know anything else on compassion where God was moved to go do?
5: Oh, yeah. You mentioned 14. Mm-hmm. I thought you were, you were going to say about the loaves. You said he had compassion on the multitude because he They're feared they would uh, faint or something. Mm-hmm. So he, um, he did that miracle with the multiplication of the loaves.
0: Yeah, that's so a compassion, good... I think was mentioned there. And obviously he's a God of compassion. It also says that's part of his name, uh, you know, is it compassion. It's part of his, one of his names. So he is filled with compassion. But my point is not that he doesn't have compassion because he does. He's, he's not ruled by it. There's a difference. Social justice being ruled by compassion, as that is your God. Well, I ain't the God that we serve, you know. And if I'm stepping on your toes on social justice, sorry, just have to forgive me. I'll step on on something else next week. <laughs> <laughs> and you may not agree with me, you know. I've looked at that and I thought about it for a long time, you know. And I, I've wondered. I've actually felt guilty on that thing. For so many times I go, why am I feeling so guilty? There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Why do I feel this? And I don't feel I'm supposed to do this. And he finally showed me. I had to ask for a long time. Okay, receiver's faith. Now, I got a bunch of them on that. I have Matthew nine, twenty-eight, which is the first one I'm gonna have you read, uh two thirty, and then Matthew fifteen, twenty eight, Mark five, five, Matthew eight, one three, Matthew twelve, thirteen, Mark ten, forty six, Luke four, thirty eight, Luke six, seventeen, acts. 5:12, Acts 14,8 and Acts 19:11. These all of them speak about the re- person that's receiving prayer's faith. Matthew 9:28, you didn't get them all down. You have an ear for Mark You off?
4: You going too fast?
0: Well, my whole point was, if I have a chart, Matthew 9:28, you're only going to read two of these, so don't worry. Uh, my, I had a chart up there, and it just actually shows how it's all over the place on some stuff. How a lot of times it's by the person's faith, you know, that was receiving. Another time it was a lot about by the person was praying it. I mean, obviously Jesus always had faith, right? Always. He always did it. But sometimes you don't see any faith on the person that was receiving his hand. None whatsoever. And there's other times that that, that was the family and friends. You know, my daughter's sick, you know, the she died, you know, It's compassion compassionate then, or the centurion, you know? Go ahead.
3: I heard somebody say, um, this pastor has like a super healing uh, ministry, mm-hmm. and he was saying that um, when the glory of God falls in a place and it's a and then you ask the Lord to heal something or to do something, that you have to be careful because you could even say, oh, um, you'll get pregnant out of the joke, and next thing you know, the person gets pregnant because it's the glory of God. It's like so present that that brings a lot of healing. That's what he was saying.
0: Well, there, there is anointing. You can speak things in the being. I mean, that's how we're created like him, and he spoke the whole world in the being and everything with it. I and mean, that's some heavy authority when you move in that. And also a light level of faith. Now, I'm going to talk about that, too, because... Where healing works is in the atmosphere of faith. And that's why we use storytelling. You tell the stories of what God's wow. done in the past. You, if you don't have any of your own, you tell about somebody else's. If you know anybody else's, you tell them about the ones in the Bible. You give something to develop and bring an atmosphere of faith so God can move. Now, I'm teaching this stuff because I want you to be praying for the sick. And Civi should be signing people up when we're done with this thing. You know, because I want you to pray for the people sick. It's a great thing. But again, yet yeah, we want them well. It's about expanding the kingdom. That's what it's about. I mean, when you have some major thing and you get healed from it, guess what? You're kind of interested to, what, what, by what means did that come? You know? Okay.
4: In the Bible, a lot of times Jesus heals before
0: He saves. Yeah, very true.
3: evangelism. When we come to the Lord,
4: many of us, not everybody, many of us, will say the sinner's prayer and ask to be saved, but I think we leave out him and then we have confidence that we got saved. But somehow or another, we don't
0: get that confidence that we're going to be healed. Yeah, and, and which is a good thing to bring up that point because a lot of people feel that you've got to get the person saved before you pray for them. Not at all. You know, matter of fact, you might be better off. A lot of people believe that you have to get the person saved before they can get. Heal.
5: No, it was, it was kind of like, I've got a question then. Okay. Does the person have to know you're praying for him to be healed? They no. Have to be even aware?
0: No. But it, I think you it's better. I
5: something this week. I'm holding up a little kid that has autism playing the drums because the handler was too busy or something.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And as soon as I, you said, so well, next time you put your hands on that kid, just pray for him. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting there playing drums and I'm, oh, this is what I'm supposed to pray for this person. And I get done praying and it's like, she doesn't even know what's going on. How
0: it, what do you do with that? They, they don't need do to. to. They don't. See, this would be the prayer, uh, faith of the prayerer, the, the example of. It. They didn't even know what's going on. Right, how, how, how well, how much did when the, the girl that was uh, uh, the centurion servant? How much did he know what was going on? He didn't even know what happened. You know, this his, his, his boss came in there and got, you know, says you know just do this, and he did it and he got healed. It was the, that was the prayer of a friend.
5: somebody who's dead they obviously don't know what's going on that's another good example <laughs> like, okay so if that works this is probably going to work a little better
0: might be a little easier lied, you
5: know but it was it was weird you know i'm sitting down praying the first thing that entered my mind and it probably was entering my mind to stop me from praying for the kid but it's like this kid doesn't even know what's going on why
0: but that's 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 a good reason that's exactly why i came into that part. To keep you from doing it, yeah. You know, you well, know you I, I, I have not—I've not prayed for somebody that's been resurrected, but I have I have people I know have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember years ago, Ed Milosso mm-hmm. I
6: mean, was talking about did right. you know, a lot of evangelism. To to that, that, whenever they went into an area that they wanted to evangelize, <laughs> they didn't even mention a whole lot about the gospel, but they
5: performed it. And I was thinking, Isaiah, so
0: much in that. Like
6: Break every yoke, share your bread with the hungry, bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light breaks forth like the morning, and your healing brings forth speedily. And it goes on to say, Then you shall be called repairers of the breach, and restorers of streets to dwell in. Mm -hmm. So if we bring the gospel, if we bring the manifestation of the kingdom, that's how they get to know Christ. Very often. When we are just teaching, I'm not saying you are, but when the church is just teaching religion and no manifestation of the different kingdom, how do they even know that you that you're an ambassador from another country if your country looks just like the one they have—that's poor and destitute and sick and broken and all that goes with it? Why should they be persuaded? They're persuaded because you're bringing a different.
0: Yeah, we're, we're supposed to bring it for a different kingdom. We're supposed to bring one that has power to it. That's why it says signs and wonders will accompany those. Go ahead.
1: When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied.
0: Okay, and uh, Acts 14:8 through 10.
1: In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that man, the man jumped up and began to walk.
0: Yeah, you notice there, that was probably the best one to read of that group. They saw, Paul saw that the man had faith in him to be healed. There are times I won't pray for people. Uh, I went out recently to pray for a man that was a pastor. He had no faith for it. I didn't bother to pray. I could see he had no faith for it i, I so I talked for a little bit and talked about you know God doing things. If the faith does not come in, then you are really kind of spinning your wheels you know because if they truly don't believe, you know that doubt that, that unbelief will really choke it off. I'm not talking about you know somebody's praying for me and I really not sure if God does or not and 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 But if I think, no, God doesn't do that anymore, guess what? Could he? Yeah, he could. But I don't think you're going to see the healing. Because there has to be a place. Faith is not only a conduit for God's kingdom reign to move in someone's life, but it's a place for it to rest. And if you pray on something, there's no place for it to secure and hang on to. Then it's going to be lost. That's why you see people losing their healing. I can't tell you. I've literally prayed for, uh, I, I figured... About ten years ago, that I prayed for some in excess of ten thousand people, and I've seen thousands of healings, thousands of them. You know, but if if you if, if they don't believe, it just closes the thing out. And I saw in that period of time people lose their healings. I remember one dramatic healing I had. I prayed for a man who was an Oxnard who had been from the time of birth under disability for skin disease. I mean, it was usually, sometimes it was okay, sometimes it got real bad where he couldn't even go out of the house, just crusted with stuff, horrible thing. He got healed, big time. He got healed, and I mean, he didn't have, he'd never been any time at all without some of it, nothing for months. And then it came to him, what am I going to do now? How am I going to live? I don't have any money. if I I go with this, he's not quite saying those words of mouth, then then I I go to disability and and tell him I'm not under disability. I don't have a job. I don't have a training. How am I going to live? And then he began to choose the doubt of what what had happened to him. And sooner or later, it it was uh, probably about a month later, he lost it. I've seen people lose a lot of it. I've lost it quicker than that. I have chose to look at the faith part, the doubt part, and i end up looking at the doubt and choose not to believe God and lose it. So when I want to talk about healing with people, you really have to tell them how to hang on to it and how to fight for it. That's the place you stand on your faith. When God showed you something and did something, you stand on what he showed you. That's the time that you, you believe all the way hard that. You fight for that. And that's a spiritual exercise of exercising your authority, your understanding, and your faith. And grabbing onto what God has. Not there. Uh, that that scripture is referring to an, basically the idea that if you say, I, I, I love people and I have compassion for people, but I don't feed the hungry, that's faith without works and it is dead. Mm-hmm. That's that it is. But there is a part to it, too, that very often in the scriptures they t- told you to take an action. Like you said, stretch out your hand. You know, and a lot of times when I I'll stand up and walk, pick up your bed and go home, all that stuff, those were uh, expression of an action, which is important when you're praying for the sick. You, know, you, you, you tell them to do that. You, you cause them to take things. I'll tell them to turn. Their back's mess up. Okay, move this way. You know, and in the process of them doing that and expressing it and responding in faith, they'll get healed. Huh? Why don't you tell that story?
2: Well, my, my nephew fell <clears throat> about three stories. Mm-hmm. fell to a concrete floor. He got he got sucked into an old skylight on top of an industrial building. Anyway, he was paralyzed. Twenty-something
0: yeah. feet fall yeah. cement. Uh, and nothing breaking it, just boom.
2: So anyway, he's paralyzed from, from the neck down. He broke the C4, which there is no cure. So um, he had had this, I like, finally get the call from my sister because when she called a couple of times, we, did, we thought it was a prank phone call because all we could hear was just like this, this horrific, you know, she couldn't even say what happened. So, we, so I drove and on the way the Lord gave me that scripture of, uh, you know, your sins against uh, God, you know, pick up your mat and, walk, and I'm like, man, because normally I would just pray differently. But, uh, but just the Lord has given me that scripture. So he had had the surgery to, they put this wire mesh in your neck to so that you can just keep your head up so you can move those sticks, you know.
0: But that surgery has never healed anybody, ever. Ever. There's no, so it doesn't heal them. It just makes you, so you can sit yes, up in a wheelchair.
2: A quadruple- please So uh, anyway, so I went into the, um, America, the recovery room and he was laying there. And God gave me that scripture, and I just said, Michael, you know, your sins against your parents, because you we were crazy 19-year-old, and your sins against God have forgiven you. I've never, ever had anybody do that before. my I said, I want you to move your foot, which was totally, you know, outside of Christ, it's totally possible. He moved his foot, and I go, you did it, didn't you? He goes, yeah, do it again. You know, so he moved his foot again. And I'm telling you, it is, he's in the, he's in the three months later, we were walking with him on the beach, he, Three months he, in the soft he's, sand. He's, he's absolutely—it's it's a full-fledged miracle, wow. Wow. you know. And I have to say that it was a covering of, of radical prayer over that whole thing. But it—but but just listening and obeying. I mean, I mean, I've been, point. In, I've been in vineyard, you know, healing stuff forever, and I—I I, I can tell you, I've never prayed that way. But just because that—that that was a key to unlock his healing, I guess, you know. So, but that was—it's
0: you know, always the key, whether it's warfare. Whether it's praying for the sick, it's listen and obey. Do, do what he says. Now, I, and we we also prayed for another friend of ours who had fell and broke his neck, too. Um, and uh, he wasn't in any movement. And when we prayed for him, he moved his feet, too. Oh, that was oh. the pastor, yeah. And, and uh, he's a guy. He
2: set off all the bells in the room. You know how like they have the monitors and stuff, and, in the, and the nurses came running because he was shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> with a broken neck. That was great.
0: But you know, but with was, my that
2: was his faith, man.
0: oh yeah, bloody yeah. faith. He's a good guy, and he's walking around. his fine now too. Uh, the, Jamie Gallantine, yeah. Uh, th- there, there's there's two things now. When 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 the nurse came in, who had been a nurse doing that and. For 25 years, came in there says, "No, he didn't move." But it's impossible. That's what she told him. He could have listened to that, and lost it. He chose, by good sense, to listen and uh, what, and remembering what he saw. It is so easy to forget what God's done. I have seen the most miraculous stuff that you've ever seen. I've seen the blind see, the deaf and dumb speak and hear. I've seen people, legs grow. I've seen cancers leave. I've seen eyes that were pushed out like this and oozing out, go back in their head. I've seen all that. And by personally praying for them and seeing that change, I've seen it. And I still doubt. It's amazing to me. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. How can you doubt when you've seen that stuff? I mean, I've seen legs go pop, 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 like that and go even. I mean, legs are this much different than them. I mean, there's no way. There's no way. How can you doubt stuff like that? But you sit there and I've had things on me disappear. How do you doubt that stuff? Now, one of the things in healing is words of knowledge. And words of knowledge, I'm going to go more about healing later, but words of knowledge are things where where God gifts and releases, like I want to mess and release in this room right now. Words of knowledge. And very often are the things he wants to heal. So some of you are familiar with them, words of knowledge, and some of you aren't. Words of knowledge come with an idea in your mind. A faint thought. It's not some big, loud thing. Believe me, I wish it was. A faint thought. Uh, uh, maybe a pain in the arm, if it's dealing with the arm, or or a picture, or I have a friend who used to get ticker tape across his head. He, he could read read the ticker tape as it went right right across. He just read it. I want to heal an arm. <laughs> you know, and all kinds of stuff like that. So, does anybody have any words of knowledge right now? Does he have anybody, any? Inclination of any uh, thing that God would want to heal. Stick shot.